Hello and welcome to this week's Sport Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and I'm ready to talk all things sports in Salford and beyond. Joining me in the show this week as ever we are Paul Whiteside from the Devil in Detail. Looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond Paul. Yeah, good evening, Rob. Yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a busy show, isn't it? We've got an awful lot going on with the Euros kicking off. So, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm sure we can uh, pack it all into a, to an hour show, just about. Yeah, super excited about the Euros. I think we'll kick off with that, Paul. What a great tournament. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, all the action got underway, didn't it, on, on Friday and uh, you know the opening ceremony and things like that. I'm particularly impressed by Italy. I mean, Turkey... For me, we're, we're probably one of the dark horses for the tournament. But, you know, just break that game down for us on Friday night. Rob, a 3-0 win for, for Turkey. Did they impress you? Yeah, great result uh, for Italy. Great start for Mancini. You know, the Italians dominant throughout, Paul. 24 shots on goal they had, uh, which is pretty impressive, really, at international level. Uh, Immobile, which is the uh, Italian centre-forward, quality, quality star. He scored uh, for the Italians as well. And I think that's going to be a big thing for Italy. If he's scoring goals... Italy will go far. Defensively, they're always solid. We know what the Italians are like. They love a good defensive situation. But to score three goals in your first uh, European Championships game is, is a good thing. And hopefully Mancini can uh, can build on that uh, and we can be look forward to the later stages with them. Yeah, well, that game was in Group A, wasn't it? The other game in Group A was on Saturday afternoon between uh, you know one of our home nations, Wales. They got a draw against Switzerland. Good result for Wales. Actually, tough group that for Wales to get out of, but you know a decent result against a decent Switzerland side. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic result for Rob Page. Uh, Wales coming to this tournament, Paul. Not obviously thinking they can qual- you know thinking positively they can qualify for the next round, but this is going to build confidence. You know, drawing against Switzerland, they were 1-0 down, uh, but they equalised to make it one each and, and they dug in and that's important. Gareth Bale is their star man and he and he obviously showed glimpses on Saturday at what it's all about. And I'm sure that, you know, the Welsh are hoping that they'll get a bit more from, from him. Obviously, they have sort of history in this competition, the Welsh. And, you know, they, they think if they get a, a decent run of fixtures and a decent run of wins, uh, they can do that again. Yeah, there were two games in Group B. Before we talk about Denmark and Finland, Belgium had a good result. They beat Russia by three goals to nil. Belgium have been tipped by many. I think the bookmakers as well have got them well up there as one of the favourites for the tournament. Were you impressed by Belgium? No, a good result against a decent Russia side as well. Yeah, Martinez, the manager, you know, fantastic. Uh, performance I thought from, from Belgium Romelu Lukaku scoring two goals showing all the class that he's got didn't do it in a Man United shirt for, in my opinion but in the Belgium shirt on his, his world class two goals from him dominant performance from, from Belgium that is why Paul they are seen as one of the best in the world and one of the favourites to win this competition and if they can keep you know putting teams away like Russia it's, it's only be good for them Russia it's one of them isn't it? Russia can be can be great and they can be be awful, and it seems like they had an awful uh, game on on the first night of the European Championships for them. But still, a couple of games to fix the situation, uh, and we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, the other game in Group B was played at tea time on Saturday night, and that game was mad, really, and will be remembered for uh, for, for Christian Eriksen who, who, who collapsed in that match on the pitch, didn't he? But we we're told he's in a stable condition at the moment, so you know we wish him all the best. That that was a shock to to see something like that happen on on a football pitch, and. Good news that he's in a stable condition, Robin. He's doing well in hospital. Yeah, I thought so with him. Obviously, his family at this, this bad time, uh, Paul. And 
you know, these these sportsmen, these footballers are super, super fit. And, you know, for him to, the doctor confirmed that he'd, he'd had a cardiac arrest on the pitch. And, you know, the doctors, you know, test these players, you know, yearly, don't they? To, you know, to check out every, every aspect of them are okay. So it's really strange uh, that that happened. I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it to see, you know, what happened. But I thought it was great humanity shown by uh, the Denmark players surrounding him. Uh, so the players, you know, the press couldn't, couldn't see what was going on. I thought the BBC not cutting away um, from what gun was going on was, was not very good. I know the, the BBC later came out and said that, you know, they couldn't break away because the host, um, host people holding your know, video in the tournament uh, what didn't do it, so they couldn't cut away. But for me, Paul, I think that's a bit of a silly, you know, silly excuse. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I suppose people don't really want to see, you know, what's going on there with the medical people doing their attention there. I don't know, perhaps they, they, they could have put something else on or just, you know, talked about something else for for a while while that's going on. But I think the the good thing is that he's in a good condition, a stable condition, and you know he's not not an old person at all. Is he? You know, a fit footballer, and that's a shock. You know, to, to mar the, the tournament really. So very good news that he's doing well. Uh, Finland got the result, didn't they, Rob? They they won the match by one goal to nil. I'm not going to try and pronounce Finland's goal scorer because I've got no idea how to say his name, but. I'll let you have a go at that if you want. But were you surprised by that score? Finland, you know, decent side. Denmark, I mean, obviously that that you know incident with Ericsson's going to have affected the, the Danish players definitely, and you know that'll play on their mind. I'm sure they'll want to come out in their next game though and uh, and, and show a good performance for Christian Ericsson. Yeah, it does make you think though, Paul, because obviously the game started again two hours later, and after such an incident like that, do you think it's the correct idea? Obviously, like you said, players' minds, are they in the right position to, to go out and play international football after all what happened? I know there would have been time pressure from sort of UEFA that games need to be played and the tournament needs to carry on. But surely, with you know, leaving and maybe for a day to get over it before they, they play the game would have been the best idea for me. Even even like you say, they're getting beat 1-0 against Finland. Finland aren't a, good, aren't a bad side. Uh, they had trouble... You know, trouble. Um, you know, in previous uh, games against previous opposition, they're a good side, and I and I thought, you know, with Ericsson going off, it affected Denmark badly, and and couldn't find the way through. Ericsson is their is their most dangerous player. It has to be said, Paul. Uh, but you're just hoping that someone else has stood up. I know in these situation and these circumstances, a big big ask. Uh, so for me, I think they should have sort of postponed it maybe for a day or so. What do you think? We don't know what's happened there. I mean, I would have thought, or surely the the, the referee and the match commissioners would have spoke to, to the Danish team and the Danish sort of officials and said to them, what do you want to do? And give them a bit of a choice. Um, that would have been the right thing to do for me and perhaps pl- sort of play the game a day after. You know, give the give the players a breather because you know to come off the pitch for a two hour break, they're going to be thinking what's happened to their teammate. You know, and worrying about him as well. And the last thing you want to do is go out and play a football match. So it did seem strange that they went back out. But uh, but no, I think for me, I think it'd have been a nice mark of respect to Ericsson just to let people concentrate on him and see how he's doing well. And he perhaps you would have thought the Danish players would have would have been in a better mindset the day after knowing that he was in a stable condition and he was. Sort of his injuries weren't sort of life threatening. He wasn't critically in hospital because I don't know what sort of information they had in that two hour window of how he was doing. So sure, they'd be worried six, and the last thing you want to do is play football. So, so yeah, very very difficult situation. Yeah, I think they did say that they got a message from Ericsson to say he was okay, and that's why the players, as a group, decided that they'd go out and play. But sometimes is is that players still in shock just wanting the game to be played you know i'm sure higher management 
probably could have done something different there and, and saved the players uh, that stressor. But yeah, they went one, uh, they lost one nil, missed a penalty as well, Denmark, which is another you know uh, you know bad thing in the game. Obviously, the emotion of it all, um, and just like you say, we're hoping that Christian Eriksen sort of recovers uh, and continues to play football on the on the pitch. Yeah, we certainly do. Certainly do. Moving on to Sunday's games. Uh, we'll start off with Austria. They beat North Macedonia by three goals to one. Decent game, Rob. Yeah, good, good game. Uh, Austria surprised me. Lots of lots of attacking uh, potential from them. You know, made some good goals, and obviously Mace- North Macedonia, their first Euros. You know, they, they're learning all the time, aren't they? But Austria know knew what the situation was uh, and rate and took them to the cleaners, which which is what it's all about, I suppose. Uh, Austria needed to win that game to to give them a, an half a chance of getting through to the next round. North Macedonia, it's a free hit for them. First time in the tournament, um, and they'll have another two games to come. Well, England got uh, a victory on Sunday in their first group game. They beat Croatia by one goal to nil. It was far from plain sailing, though, Rob. Croatia, did they have their moments in the game? Yeah, it was It was a strange game, uh, really, Paul. First sort of 10-15 minutes was all England pushing Croatia back. Foden had half a chance. He hit the post early. But then, from about 17 minutes on... Croatia took took control and dominated possession, dominated territory, and Gareth Southgate's men, previous England sides, might have panicked at home in, in the first game of the Euros. But this one, they defended well, played in a structure, made themselves strong and made themselves, you know, wanting to put pressure on the Croatians and said to the Croatians, come and beat us if you can. And Croatia failed to break them down. Raheem Sterling, the goal scorer for, for England, fantastic individual goal for him. Um, you know, to, to to set him off for this tournament, going to be a big confidence booster for him because obviously we know what Raheem Sterling's all about. When he get when he gets a chance, he does miss a few, but this one he, he put away, which is important for Gareth Southgate's men to get off to a winning start. Harry Kane wasn't particularly very good, I thought. Thought England left him quite isolated up top in a in a really warm uh, day at Wembley. It wasn't really built for him. And didn't really have. We had one big chance, and the ball came up from to the far post, and he managed to sky it, unfortunately. And it was one big opportunity to really, you know, start his, comp- his competition well, Paul. But unfortunately, he didn't score, and he went off. They substituted him sort of later on in the game, probably to rest his legs for the next game. But question marks for me will be asked um, in the next game against Harry, you know, for Harry Kane, because obviously he's our number one. Uh, striker in it so he needs to be firing uh, to take us to that next level but as long as Raheem Sterling uh, and Phil Foden keep uh, keep you know playing well and, and showing us magic then you know it's uh, it's only a good thing for us Certainly as we've got some big fixtures coming up this week our show is going out Tuesday night of course so tomorrow Wednesday the 16th of June Finland play Russia Turkey are playing Wales Rob Wales is second game against Turkey that's a big one for Wales with Italy playing Switzerland in the evening as well so Wales can get three points against Turkey then depending on how that Italy game goes they've got half the foot then in the in the next round haven't they? Yeah I think with, with Wales you've got Gareth Bale you've got Daniel James you know they are class. They've got very, very good players. And I look at them and I just think to myself, with Aaron Ramsey as well, these boys can play football. Give them half a chance. Give them ball. Give them space. They will punish Turkey. Will they get that space in that crucial game? We'll have to wait and see, Paul. But drawing the first game probably was a good result for Rob Page's men. But they need to go and win one now. Turkey weren't particularly great uh, against Italy. 
But it's an opportunity for Wales to go and get a result. They've got to play Italy in the, in the final game of the uh, of the group, which will be a will, which will be a tough tough game. So a win against Turkey puts puts them within touching distance of the next round. Yeah, Thursday, Ukraine play North Macedonia, Denmark play Belgium and the Netherlands play Austria. What are your picks out of those games? I suppose Belgium's going to be a good one. They're a team to, to watch, aren't they? And probably going to be a team to beat, as we've said before. Yeah, Belgium for me. Holland, and what was the other one? Uh, Ukraine against North Macedonia. Right, Ukraine are a good side. North Macedonia, like I said, first time in, in the competition, uh, Paul. You're looking at Ukraine to be the WIC victors there. But I think with European Championships, Paul, there is upsets. And that and that's what we watch football for, don't we? We watch football for the dramas. We watch football for the magic. We watch football for the skill. And this tournament has just started now. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty to come. Obviously, looking at the other big fixtures as well in, in the in the competition, we've got the likes of France v Germany. You know, what, what a game that is. Both heavyweights in the European football stage. That's on Tuesday, Paul. Germany, we know what the Germans are like. They're the, the granite, they're gritty, they'll graft. But France, you know, class all around that pitch. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how them two teams combine. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish off with Friday's fixture. Swindon play Slovakia, Croatia play Czech Republic. That's the other two sides in England's group. And a big one on Friday night, England against Scotland. You know, the sides haven't met each other in a sort of a competitive match for quite a while now, have they? And we, we remember the 1996 game and there was a qualifier as well, wasn't it, for the Euro 2000? The playoffs, I think it was, in 1999 when Don Hutchinson scored at, at Wembley. So there's been some cracking games between the two sides. I mean, that, that match at Wembley in 1996 will be remembered for a fantastic goal by Paul Gascoigne. And that really, really was a, a real memorable day, that one. This one, Friday night, 8 o'clock kickoff at Wembley Stadium, England against Scotland. Scotland... Probably not the best side in the world by a, by a long chalk, but they're going to raise their game for this. Now, this is a massive game for them, and, and they, they've got their country to sort of satisfy. So this could be a real tricky game for England. Yeah, England v Scotland, Paul, it's always an event. You know, the Scots, they love taking on the English in anything. Rugby, football, tiddlywinks. You know, it's always a, always an interesting battle between the two countries, especially in football. Obviously, you know, with both players kind of probably knowing each other and playing sort of with each other in, in club level it gives that extra extra incentive doesn't it to go and beat somebody else and, and it's going to be super exciting because obviously we look back at games like the Euro 96 one um, and Scotland not really qualifying since then they've got big ambitions for this tournament because they've been watching at home while England have been in competitions over the last sort of 20 odd years or whatever and they now want to go out and play and I'm sure you know the the Scots will be there. The ones that are allowed in uh, will, will be there, ready to ready to cheer the, cheer their team on. Even though they're not in the stadiums, because obviously we're not on full capacity, are we, Paul? We're on sort of whatever it is, twenty thousand or whatever capacity it is. But there's going to be one one hell of a noise, and, and that's what it is. It's about atmosphere, and that's how it all makes it all exciting. That England side, after obviously their victory uh, this week, um, it's going to be good. Obviously, they, they've they've just beaten they've just beaten Croatia. So they've got three. They've got three points in the bag, Paul. So the pressure is slightly off. I know a lot of people um, I've spoken to uh, over the last few days saying that if England if England finish first, it'll be a harder run to the 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 final if they finish second. So you think that's a bit strange, really? Do you think Gareth Southgate's men will obviously want to? They obviously want to win every game, but do you think obviously tactically would it be better for for them to finish second? I don't buy all that because how do they know it's going to be harder? Because that team that they, they could be thinking 
they're going to play mm. might not win their group. So yeah. he might get them if he finished second. So to me, if you're going to win a tournament, you've got to beat everybody, haven't you? I mean, there's no use in saying, well, I want to play a, a midding team in every round. You want to have a glorious run, don't you? And, and beat Germany and beat France and, and beat them all, which would be absolutely marvellous. So if you're going to win a tournament, I think you've got to beat all the, the best sides. I'm going to put you on the spot now, Rob. Cool. I'm going to ask you for a score prediction for that game on Friday. Now, England against Scotland. You know, is there going to be goals in that? If you're a betting man, I know you're not. But if you were a betting man, who, who, what would your score prediction be? Well, it's going to be rough and tumble. It's going to be under a mile an hour. It's going to be like Premier League game. Let, let's, let's be honest. I'm thinking England will weather that early storm from Scotland. And I'm feeling for a 2-0 win. It's got Harry Kane for the first goal written all over it. And then a second from someone like Raheem Sterling or Marcus Ratchford as time ticks on to put the, the Scots to bed. And, and that'll put England on six points. And then we'll have to see where we are in, in the in the group. And maybe Gareth Southgate might decide to rest a couple of players in the final game of the group, ready for the, the bigger tests to come. But it is, a, like I say, it's a competition which Gareth Southgate has sort of said that we're going to win. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the games that we've seen so far, Paul. And I'm thinking England, even though they weren't brilliant against Croatia, they were solid, they were compact, and and they played the game in the right way. And I think we're looking looking forward to other games coming up against better teams. Now they've beaten Croatia. Don't forget, Croatia beat them in the, in the World Cup semi-final sort of two years ago, three years ago. So it might be a, a, a good thing that we've beaten them mentally because obviously Croatia did beat did did beat us that time and now we can go go away and uh, and go away from that win and move on to the next next game and be confident uh, for more success in the in the future what about you what what think what score do you think is going to be against Scotland I can see it being a really exciting game I, I was thinking it might be one of those where England sort of you know, perhaps underestimate Scotland and let Scotland get an early goal, but then England come back and win it maybe 3-2. But I think 3-2 might be a bit ambitious. I can't see Scotland scoring twice. So I'm going to go 2-1 to England in a, in a real rough and tumble game, like you say. So uh, looking forward to that. It should be a, should be a decent game. But I'll be, I'll be at Salford, hopefully, on watching us against Huddersfield. Yeah. So I'll have to tape it and, and watch it later on. But uh, I'm sure it'll be a great spectacle. Yeah, I think other, other games as well we'll look forward to this week. Portugal uh, against Germany on Saturday. Cristiano Ronaldo with the Portuguese, who are the the, the reigning champions of the of the European of the Euros. He, he's thirty four now. His 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 career, they say he's on the way down, but obviously thirty four. He's playing well at Juventus. Physically, he looks like a still a specimen, Paul. So, is it is it that one big last hurrah for him at this competition? Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. I think I think Portugal are. Um... Very good side, aren't they? You said reigning champions, and you know they've got a tough group to, to get out of there, aren't they? But they're going to be the, one of the sides that are going to be there or thereabouts, I would say. And I've, I've seen people sort of say, "Oh, I don't think Germany is good this time or whatever." I don't think the bookmakers have got them as one of the favourites. But what you get with the Germans is a very well organised side, aren't they? Mm. No matter how many times we write them off, they always seem to be there or thereabouts at the, at the sem- at least the semi-finals, don't they? So I think we've seen worse German teams than this. 
get to finals before now, haven't they? So their record in major tournaments is absolutely outstanding. So so that should be an epic game. That and the sides that you've mentioned there before, you know, France got quality all over the place. So I think this is going to be a great tournament. This, but I think an intriguing one as well. I think you've got some some teams that are going to come up on the rails and and, and surprise us. Just going back to England's win against Croatia, that that's a good win. Croatia are no mugs. They're a solid side, aren't they? Very very difficult to beat. You know, so got some you know re- players with real engines all over the pitch around the midfield, especially. So they're they're a tricky side, and I think you know they'll cause some some results. But I mean, we've got Czech Republic in the group as well. They were also a decent team, very useful team. So England have got off to a good start for me. They're not conceded a goal either. Yeah, I think the thing that excited me about that performance, Paul, was it, when you needed it to be gritty, they were. And and I think that's an important thing when you're looking sort of forward against teams like the likes of France and the likes of Germany. You're going to have to dig in, and they did. Uh, against Croatia and, that, and that's a good sign moving forward yeah we can be more fluent going forward yeah we can be more creative but to win tournaments and to win competitions it's all based on how well you defend and I, and I thought structurally we looked okay and we, we repelled every every attack from the Croatians yeah Croatia weren't fantastic they didn't really put any massive pressure on us but what they did we we repel very well, and I mean, you know, I mean, you got to look at the next game, and hopefully we'll we can do that against Scotland. We can win there, and then we'll be two wins out of two, and we can sort of focus on the next uh, next round. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm not saying you can put your cue on the rack in that last game, but a victory against Scotland would take the pressure off, wouldn't it? So, uh, so yeah, let's hope it's a it's a great spectacle at Wembley on Friday night, and yeah, I, I'm hoping, I'm confident England can get a result. Yeah, so that's all all the football chat now. And what we're going to do, we're going to talk boxing now, Paul. Uh, and Povetkin, uh, he's announced his retirement. What what a warrior he's been. Oh, absolutely outstanding, Rob. You know, two defeats on on his record against, uh, you know, two of, the, two of the best fighters going at the moment. You know, Klitschko and uh, Anthony Joshua. He's been, he's been an absolute warrior. He really has. You know, 41. You know, it's... Um, <sighs> It's not old, is it? I suppose in, in heavyweight boxing, we've seen people go on a lot longer than that. But uh, but no, he's been a real warrior, hasn't he? And you know, perhaps you know, fights recently have took the toll on him now, and, he, and he's decided to decided uh, to call it a day. He, he sort of said about lingering injuries that he's had, and he's got to require treatment for things. So I think a boxer knows when it's uh, when it's time to go. But he'll be remembered for some fantastic fights. He really will. So I think perhaps Father Time has just caught up with him there. But he's been in some great fights, real warrior of the sport, and uh, I've enjoyed watching him. And good luck in his retirement, whatever he does next. Where where does he rate uh, among the greats for you, Paul? Obviously, he's a, a great boxer. Uh, and he's going. He's going to be. This question is going to be asked by the the boxing public. So, in your opinion, where, where does he rate? He's been one of the best. I think one of the best heavyweights for me. I mean, he's been an heavyweight boxer at a time when there's been some great heavyweights. You know, he's been a real tough division, hasn't he? And as I said before, three defeats he's had. Um, he obviously lost his last fight against Dylan White. That that rematch. He won the first one, didn't he, last August, and lost the rematch a couple of months ago. But you know, the only other two defeats he's had were against Klitschko and uh, and Anthony Joshua. So he's faced everybody in the division and and sort of beaten them all, apart from those top ones. And had a lot of knockouts as well, 25 knockouts, I think, in 36 fights. So uh, had a tremendous career and never ducked anybody and been a real sort of gentleman as well. You never hear him trash talking anybody. He's, he's always been up there and, and very durable guy. Everybody he's gone in with, he, he's never sort of, 
never got in there and, and, and been absolutely walloped. He's always held his own and, and and put on a fantastic performance and a fantastic show. So yeah, he's he's a real role model, you know, real role model in the sport. And yeah, I think he'll he'll be missed from the sport. There's no doubt about that. But I think he, he knows it's the time to retire now. But uh, yeah, there's been some great fights. He's been in and some some good memories there as well. Yeah, uh, looking at other boxing uh, matches that have took place in the last week, Lewis is it Ritson lost to. Uh, Jeremiah's Ponce in a tenth round stoppage. Tell us all about that. Yeah, the Argentinian Ponce was 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 very brave actually, and we we know Lewis Ritson's a a real good fighter. Uh, he has been over the last few years, and you know, fighting up there in his his native Newcastle. You know, he's a Geordie lad. He had that crowd behind him last night. It was great to see a crowd in the arena last night as well. Uh, well, that Saturday we, we was, and uh, he was expected to beat Ponce really, but I think you know he. Not saying he underestimated him, but he had a fantastic engine and he, he moved really well and so tough, so rugged for the Argentinian was. And now he's the IBF mandatory challenger for the undisputed world super lightweight champion, which is Josh Taylor. So that would have been marvellous for uh, for Ritson to, to win and set up an England against Scotland clash. But, you know, sadly, uh, you know, that'll have to uh, come another day. So Jeremiah's point. You know, that, that that mandatory challenger and we know what Taylor's about. Taylor's a fantastic fighter and probably one of the best British fighters, you know, around at the moment. So that's going to be a real test for Ponce. But unlucky for Ritson, he's got to get back to the drawing board now and, and, and decide what route he needs to go down. But he's a very talented fighter as Ritson and I'm sure he'll be back. He's got a good team round him up there in Newcastle and I'm sure he'll be back and, and doing good things again. Obviously, what's what do you think's next for Ritson? Obviously, defeat uh, this week. It's going to be... Is he, is he still dining at the top table, as it were? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's had a few setbacks along his his career and and, and bounced back from him and put himself in that, that that fight over the weekend where it's like a, a world title eliminator, really, getting himself ready to be a mandatory challenger. So he, he, he climbed that ladder and, and took that road and got to that. So there's no reason why he can't go again. Sometimes you've just got to regroup, haven't you? And and get your team back round you and decide which way you want to go. But, you know, we lost to a, to a really good fighter there. And, uh, you know, perhaps not a lot of people knew about Ponce, but they will do now because he put in a fantastic performance there against against Ritson, who's a good fighter. And to, to stop him there in that 10th round was a marvellous finish for him. But, no, Ritson's just got to regroup. And I think he can come again. He's got the skills and he's got the heart for it as well. So I think we've not seen the last of Lewis Ritson, no doubt about that. Yeah, Jeremiah Ponce... Well, now was well, a mantra for Josh Taylor. Who do you think will win that one? Josh Taylor's a terrific fighter, isn't he? And you know, we've we've seen him, and as I mentioned before, probably one of the best that Britain has at the moment. He's he's another one, terrifically quick. You know, real tough guy as well, and. You know the skills he's got. His ring craft's absolutely marvelous, and he can move around that ring. And he's he's he could be one of the pound for pound best in the world if he keeps going at the rate he's going at. So I'd say Josh Taylor probably just have a bit too much for Ponce, but it should be a good fight. You know he surprised Lewis Ritson there, and if you're not on your game, he's going to surprise you again. So obviously not being a, a boxing purist, Josh Taylor is is he like a, a world champion? He is a world champion, yeah, IBF world champion at the moment. So uh, he's had some terrific wins. Uh, he really has. So th- this is going to be another tough test for him. But that's what you get when you put yourself up there and you're world champion. You're getting the, the, the big fights, aren't you? The managers are coming after you and after your belt. So, uh, so yeah, he's got to take anyone who, who comes his way now. And that's that's the position that you're in. But it's a position that he deserves. Like I said, he's, he's won some terrific fights. And uh, he is. He's one of the, the best fighters this country's got at the moment. There's no, no doubt about that. So obviously, there's a lot of rich talent in there in in the boxing world. We have Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. What does Josh Taylor have to do to break into that sort of media hype uh, that the country is excited about? 
Do you know what? It's difficult sometimes for uh, for fighters who are fighting at the you know the lower weights because heavyweight seems to in boxing it always seems to get the you know for not for the purists. I mean you know people like like all the weight divisions, but you know your average Joe and the general public seem to have their imaginations captured by by heavyweight boxing, don't they? It seems to be the one that everybody wants to see and the one that gets all the headlines and things like that. But you know Josh Taylor's what eighteen and oh at the moment his last fight against. Uh, Jose Ramirez was an absolutely tremendous fight, and he's beaten some really good fighters along the way. You know, to, to picking up his world title belt. You know, at the moment he's he's, he's holding what, what four belts at the moment. So uh, he's a tremendous fight. You know, at the age of thirty now, he's he's probably coming to the peak of his career now, and I think he can reign at the top for the next couple of years. But you know, in in his native Scotland, there he's he's a he's a fantastic uh, fighter up there, and all sell out arenas, and I'm sure there'll be more people going to see him once people can get the full crowds again. But you'll always be very difficult challenging the, the heavyweights you know the likes of Anthony Joshua and they're the ones that get the big stadiums aren't they you know the Wembley stadiums and things like that so it'll always be difficult for that but there's no doubt he, he's one of the best in this country and like I said before once the arenas start opening again and the football stadiums and things like that I think you'll see him selling some out in Scotland yeah, other fights that happened this week. Alan the Savage Babich um, he beat Damien Chambers tell us about that yeah, I mean, he's got a bit of a cult following now, the Croatian Alan Babic in, in this country. And, uh, you know, he, he's a real entertainer. He entertained that crowd at Newcastle there. And it was a real brutal stoppage in the uh, the, the seventh round. He's so strong, uh, that weight that he's fighting at. And, uh, you, you know, it was, it was it was a brutal finish. Brutal left hand that, that, that finished uh, Damien Chambers, uh, you know, local lad, Jamie, Damien Chambers, Lancastrian lad. So, uh, so Babic finished him off there with a, with a big left hand. And I think now... we. He's starting to see Babbage progress, and um, he's sort of based over in this country. So that's, as I say, he's getting a, a bit of a, a bit of a cult following over here. But uh, he needs to get bigger tests now. I think they were the, the guys on the television at the weekend were saying he needs to sort of find his level. You know, you've got to walk before you can run. I know he's sort of calling other people out and big names out and things like that. But he does need a few more fights to pick up the experience. He's relatively sort of new to the sport, really. So, uh, so yeah, I think he's got an awful lot of potential, but whether he can go all the way, I'm not too sure. But uh, it'd be great if he did, because he's a, he's a real entertainer and a real character, but he carries, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of power. Yeah, just before we go on, Paul, uh, you know, nicknames and boxers. You know, obviously you've got, obviously, Savage. I know James talks about Bobby Knuckles uh, at times. And there's it's a lots of nicknames knocking around in the old boxing world. I'd say most boxers have a nickname, yeah. Uh, what about Little Leaver's Meat Cleaver? Yeah. That's, uh, is it Jack Cullen? Is it Jack Cullen? I think the, the Bolton lad. Uh, that's one of my favourites, that. But no, uh, Nigel Ben was a dark destroyer, wasn't he? Um, uh, who else have you got at the moment? I mean, Cal Frotch, the Sheriff of Nottingham, and yeah. Cal the Cobra Frotch, and things like that. So, yeah, I think you know, Anthony Crawler, Million Dollar Crawler. Uh, there's a lot, isn't there, that, that are out there. So, um, trying to wrap my brains for a few more, but. Tony Bellmer Bellew, yeah, Tony Bellew. Thanks, yeah. Ellen. You just shouted him over to me. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it all adds to the sport, doesn't it? Especially with boxing, there's a lot of hype around it, and um, especially when the announcers are giving the names. I think it's great when they've they've got um, got nicknames and things like that. You know, I've I've never had a nickname on when I've done my yeah. white collars and that. I've fought a few lads who've had nicknames though. What, what would be your nickname? If you obviously we're going to have a have a, if you do you pick your own nickname or, or do you have to wait for someone to pick it? Uh, I've been called the Spider a couple of times because we're long gone. Paul, <laughs> Paul the Spider Whiteside. <laughs> 
But I thought a lad a long time ago called The Ghost. Okay. His, his, his nickname was The Ghost. I'm not too sure where that one came from. But no, I've never really thought about having a nickname. But no, I think some of them are great. And it does add to add to the, the occasion, doesn't it? And uh, some of them are, are better than others, aren't they? But yeah, The Little Leavers Meek Leaver, I think, is one of the best ones I've heard. Yeah. Obviously, if you're listening out there on Salford City Radio, radio tonight, and you know, you, Paul Whiteside, you know, a very good white collar boxer, he needs a nickname. So contact us through uh, Salford City Radio uh, and give him a nickname, and and he can use that in the fights going forward, can't we, Paul? Yeah, yeah. When when we when we eventually get him, we're still waiting for uh, things to happen after COVID, but no, it'd be nice to. to have, yeah, thank you for that tribute. <laughs> um, final bit of boxing uh, news: Cyrus uh, Pattington uh, won on his pro debut. He beat Yon Cho Markov. A good win for him. It was, yeah. Markov coming to the uh, the fight with with a decent record, um, and, and Pattinson on his debut, his pro debut, he didn't show any sort of nerves at all. It was uh, it was men against boys at times. You know, he, he, you could see he had a real good amateur pedigree the way he moved around the ring, and he picked off Markov with uh, with a fantastic jab, but just fantastic movement the way he, he sort of came in, came out, changed the angle. And, and Markov was just looking for him to say where you've gone and there was a bit of bravado from Markov as well at times and you know he, I think he knew he was being outclassed so so a good result for Pattinson and um, you know I think we'll see big things from him because he looks a really talented fighter as I said he's got a good amateur pedigree behind him and that can help sometimes I mean I know he's saying it's his pro debut but his pedigree at amateur level was that good you could t- tell he'd been in plenty of fights before he knew what he was doing his ring craft was good he moved well so uh, I think an amateur pedigree like that always sets you up for, for good things when you do eventually move on to the pro ranks not everybody does but but when, when boxers do I think once you've got that, that behind you and that knowledge it's like an apprenticeship really you know in, in another in a job or in you know people say about in sport don't they? when coaches come along he's done his apprenticeship at such a place and that's where you gain your experience so I think he's gained an awful lot in the amateurs and I think he's going to go far yeah I think obviously when when you start your boxing career it's all about levels and it, you need to kind of find fighters that are going to sort of give you a fight and, and you know you learn from that don't you where where is Pat Pattington in, in this in that sort of situation obviously his first pro fight um, obviously, you're not a you're not a boxing promoter, but if you you know using your vast sort of boxing knowledge, what what kind of fighter do you think might be his next opponent? I think you're always want to step up, don't you? At first, I mean, most fighters will want to take you know half a dozen fights and, and make sure that they you know they they they're getting the results in those. But you could tell the way he fought. He's got the skills, whether he's got the power and that 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 sort of comes as you as you go along, doesn't it? And especially younger fighters, they don't always find that sort of mantrum for manpower until the sort of in the mid to, to late twenties. It comes comes later sometimes. But as long as you've got the skills to get round the ring and you know you're fit, you've got a good engine, you can go places, can't you? So uh, he impressed me, and I think he'll be one to watch. And a lot of the times, it all depends on the team that you've got round your promoter. You've got a decent promoter and a good team round you. Get the good fights, you get on Sky, you get on Channel Five or whatever. That's where the the big money is and that's what what boxers want to do now so uh, so yeah it's been difficult for in, in in all sports but particularly boxing with with covid and things like that you know they've had a few fights behind closed doors but now things are starting to to get a little bit better um the, these fighters should start getting the opportunities again so no it's exciting it's exciting to see the british scene's always good robert you know no matter what weight we we do well at all the weights really i mean particularly the last few years we've done really well at heavyweight like tyson fury and anthony joshua but down the weights we, we've got some uh, we've got some tremendous 
horrendous fighters. So, uh, so yeah, we'll keep you updated on the sport zone, won't we, all through the summer? It's going to be exciting, Paul. And obviously, these boxers coming through uh, to you know to the professional ranks. If, if obviously your people are listening, you know what boxers who are coming through. What what's kind of more important, sort of power, pace, ring craft, or sort of your representative promotion to get to that next level? Um, the, well, it's the biggest thing I'd say for boxing is having a, is the heart. I think I think if you've got the heart, you can go an awful long way with that. You you need that more than anything because you know once you you get hit a, a, you know in a certain place um, or in a certain way, you sort of your brain sometimes tells you you don't want to be there. But I think if you can you can take the punishment. Um, you've you've got every chance, but yeah, you need the power. But you know, there's been there's been people who've gone on to win world titles and not had tremendous knockout power. If you've got the the ring craft, as you say, and you can get round that ring, you can score points. That's what boxing's all about. It's about hitting and not being hit. So if you've got those skills and fitness is a massive thing as well, and I think dedication is the other one. You know, boxers have got to live the life, haven't they? It's, I always think it's a unique sport from others. You're on your own in that ring there, and you know it's a tremendously fit sport. Um, and you've got to have that dedication. I think you've got to live that life. You can't afford to to be putting weight on between fights. You've got to be very. You've got to sacrifice things, haven't you? And I think it's difficult for people, especially this day and age. You know, with with all the sort of temptations around and you know boozing and things like that, and going out with your mates and things like that. You can you can't afford to do that. So it's a it's a very you know lonely sport I think at times but having that good team around you as well every every good fighter always has a good trainer and a good team around him as well yeah I, I think boxing is a very individual sport but they surround themselves don't they with trainers and dietitians and also you know people who, who uh, you know want them to do the best in their career and it's like you said it's hunger it's you know, passion it's drive driven to, to succeed and it's it, like I say it's a it's a very sort of strange sport as well because obviously you know the the, the the violent side obviously you don't tickle each other in the ring do you it's all about sort of being want to be you know, the hardest fighter you can be uh, so it's a, it's a tough it's a tough old sport boxing he certainly is he, he certainly is Robin uh, one one <coughs> excuse me one of the toughest I think and um, you know it's it's a sport that I've always sort of followed uh, for a long time now and I've always enjoyed and um, you know I'm a big rugby league fan as you know I don't watch my football as much as I used to do just for lack of time really but I, I have become a, a massive boxing fan and totally admire them and uh, it's a very addictive sport as well you know if any of our listeners you know you know, want to get into sport and keep fit it's not all about being being hit and punched you can you can go and do the training you don't have to do the fighting you can go and train and things like that and I think people will tell you it's, it's very hard but it can be very addictive and the adrenaline from it as well you know just doing the exercises and the skipping a lot of people do it now don't they box size and things like that you don't have to go and have your head smashed in you can go and train so so yeah i'd encourage anybody to do it it's uh, very addictive and it's good for you as well in it um sort of keeps your mental health good as well as well as your physical uh, health but no it's a great sport it's a great sport and these boxers kind of have a natural way don't they you can tell when you watch it on the telly some are just natural athletes aren't they and they just know how to how to box and it can be, you know, very, very exciting. Obviously, you watch more boxing than I do. Uh, do you think, that obviously, the standards has grown in the sport in the last sort of 10 years? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think Sky Sports and, and Matchroom and Eddie Earn and people like that have done an awful lot for the sport. Channel 5 as well. You know, the, the people who used to be ITV, we used to have some fantastic fights on there. But I think since, you know, Matchroom have got involved with, with boxing, it's sort of brought boxing a bit more... 
to to like you know people who won't really watch it you know perhaps women wouldn't watch boxing sort of 20 30 years ago it was more of a male dominated sport but now you've got an awful lot of women fighters you know katie taylor's come through and some of the girls from liverpool that we've seen recently you know tasha jonas and people like that it, it's great now and some of the some of the women's box is absolutely outstanding it's fantastic to watch and there was a couple of fights on last night so i think boxing has become more mainstream now and, and and a lot more people seem to be in it i've been lucky enough to go and watch anthony crawler a few times took my wife she, she's really into it and when we've been to some of the fight nights you'd be surprised at the sort of the amount of sort of couples that go and, and things like that and young young people go young lads and young girls so it's it, it's a it's a sport now that sort of everybody as i said before 20 30 years ago perhaps it was just sort of a bloke sort of sport where it's not now it's more inclusive and i think that's great i think it brings it home more and it gets more people involved more people seem to be doing the sport which seems popular than ever at the moment so uh, so yeah long may that continue yeah, I think it's one of them sports that have kind of grown their audience, a bit like darts in a way, because obviously there's you know lots of people talk about going to darts and making a night of it, and I and I see boxing as as a similar thing. Obviously, boxing multi million pound uh, sport, especially when you get to the very highest level. Uh, there's so many sort of telephone number uh, contracts going on there, and and I suppose. In that situation, Paul, is the money kind of fed down into into the sort of the lower ranks uh, when when you're talking these big money fights? Um, I, I don't think so. I I think when you're talking about some of the big fights, you are talking telephone numbers, but you you're looking down at some of the the bills and there'll be professional fighters out there that are probably fighting at lesser lesser venues, maybe the leisure centres around the country, and not getting anywhere near that. And, you can you can go on some of the websites and some fantastic websites for reading about boxing records and things like that. And you know you look at some of the lads there who are sort of the journeyman fighters. They'll be fighting every weekend. There's fighters there who go out, professional fighters who will fight every weekend, and they go out there not to get knocked out because it's their livelihood. They have to sort of survive that fight so they can fight again next week. Because once you get knocked out in a fight, then you've got to have a break. Then so they they can't earn any money. So it's not all sort of. Um, big name fight nights on Sky there's guys who who, who do it you know the, the journeymen and the gatekeepers and things like that who are there and, and they play a massive role in the sport there's certain fighters there who will fight just debutants you know lads will come through you know people world famous fighters I can think of a few where they, if you look down their record they might have lost a lot, an awful lot of fights but look who they fought and a lot of the people who they fought have gone on to win world titles so you need those those people in there as well so it's 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 a massive scale you know from the, the top to, to the bottom of boxing definitely Just a quickie obviously you're not a massive boxing entrepreneur me what's a, what's a, what's a gatekeeper? A gatekeeper is, is usually somebody who's probably not the best in the division but it'd be somebody that an up-and-coming fighter will fight on his way to to big things so I can't really think of anybody at the moment it'd be disrespectful for me to say it but you'll have fighters there who were not really world level or European level but <clears throat> young lads coming through will fight the gatekeeper and then go past him and, and go on to bigger and better things if you like the people who sort of you know, like journeymen, they call them, don't they? And uh, they're just there to give you a test. And a lot of them are tough as teeth, Bob. They might not beat you, but you won't knock them out. They'll, they'll stay there all night with you. And I can think of some some lads, you go on, have a look at their records, and they, they might have lost sort of two, 300 fights, but they've never been knocked out. They'll all be on, on, point, on point. So those are the guys. That's where you get your test from, if you like. See, on the Sports Zone, on Solvesit Radio, <laughs> educational, as well as fantastic to listen to. So that's all our, our, our uh, boxing chat. And now we're going to talk uh, Rugby League uh, and Sulphur Devils. Paul, defeated against Hull KR this week. They lost 40 points to four. 
disappointing result for Richard Marshall's men. Yeah, it was. It was um, it was a strange night Friday night. It really was. I actually had to watch the, the game inside because there was no room in the press box. So I got moved behind a, this patio window inside. So right. it was a, it was a very strange night. But um, yeah, it, it was a good start to the game. You know, Salford made a good start to the game. He scored a good try, two with all here, a lovely measured kick for uh, for Ken Seo. He went over bright start to the game. I think the first like, fifteen minutes we were on top. We were getting penalties. The crowd were getting frustrated, and the whole momentum of the game changed. When Chris Atkin was was penalised for for a ball steal <clears throat> and sent to the Simbin, which was I thought was a completely wrong decision, and I, I know a lot of other people did as well. So I suppose you can't blame that on the defeat, but it did change the momentum of the game. Hulkar scored twice while Chris was in the Simbin and uh, and went ten six up, and, and after that it was one way traffic. Yeah, they talk about momentum, and that Chris <clears throat> Atkins Simbin certainly switched the momentum in that game. Salford, like you said, were sort of playing well in that first sort of 15 minutes until that happened wrong decision I think that's probably easy easy to say but for me Paul it's no excuse your players have to be mentally stronger in that situation your man your team goes a man down Paul you've got to dig in Early on in the season, we played set Ellens away. Exactly the same situation. We got a player in the Simbin and we dug in. This time we collapsed. What was the difference? I think the difference at the moment, Rob's confidence in the team. I mean, I was thinking on uh, on Friday night, is it an improvement from the 60 points we shipped against Warrington? And I didn't think it was because that game on Friday night, Hulk I could have had 60 points. They bombed numerous chances in that, in that second half. They had an awful lot of possession. and I thought we was awful. I thought it was there were some players on there who I thought chucked the towel in like they did against Warrington and just some of the, the the things that we did everything seemed to conspire against us. Morgan Esquire lets a ball go out and then from the from the uh, the dropout we kick it out on the full. We did that twice. We kicked out on the full twice from 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 kickoffs, uh, which is unacceptable. You know to make the, the mistake once, yeah, but twice is an absolute joke. So Paulie Paulie gets himself sent off after the final hooter. Which was just a silly thing to do, really. I mean, I didn't agree with the red card. I thought it was a bit harsh, but there's no need to do that. You know, there's too many players on, on there at the moment that are not smart enough. They're liabilities. Um, and it's you can't afford to do that. Richard Marshall must be, be tearing his hair out because I know people are sort of saying, you know, Marshall's out of his depth. There's a lot of supporters on the, on the internet I've been reading. Very, very harsh comments. And people are entitled to an opinion. That's that. But Richard Marshall... You know, he doesn't go out there and drop the ball. Those players, you know, deserve... Richard Marshall deserves those players to go out there and perform. And to, to, to come up with that against Old Carey, we're not the best side in the league, are they? But they played well. They played some good stuff. But 40 points to four is an absolute hammering. And, you know, I think we conceded four tries in the last sort of 17 minutes of that match. We really did fold up there at the end. And that's not acceptable. You know, the, the players have got to be better than that. And there were some experienced players out there on Friday night. But we're not talking an A-team of 18-year-old kids that were out there. There's some players out there who played international rugby league, and we know who they are. And, and they're getting paid good money as well. And they need to have a long, hard look at themselves because you've got to start performing. And that, that wasn't good enough. And we've got Huddersfield coming up this, this Friday, another good side. And we, we can't afford to keep getting beat. You know, Lee are below us in the table. They've played Wakefield and Catalan's last two games and been awfully unlucky. They put an awful lot of effort in. And listening to the, the Radio Manchester guys on, on, on Saturday when Lee played, they was crediting them how well they played. And, and, and they were sort of said, Salford didn't, you know, go down with it, that sort of fight. We went, went down with a whimper and that's not good enough. 
Yeah, I spoke to Richard Marshall uh, after the game, and this is what he had to say. Um, defeat tonight against OPR. What do you say to your players in the changing room after that? Uh, yeah, we spoke about um, the work that we're doing in the week um, and taking more responsibility for individual actions, uh, being accountable. Accountability was a word that we used. Um, there's just some simple things that we need to do far, far better. Uh, just simple 3v2s on the edge, discipline. Um, yeah, not, not for, throughout the whole of the team, but certain individuals within the group uh, need to be a lot better. Need to be a lot better than that. Yeah, that's that, that. That is nowhere near the required standard for for Salford. Yeah, in the first half we built pressure and we looked dangerous. Can you see any any other positives that come out of that game? Yeah, we looked threatening. I thought when we stuck to the plan and we kicked them in corners in the first 10, 12 minutes, I thought we had a real good go at it. Uh, obviously, then we got a man Simbin again. Um, our discipline's woeful at the moment. Um, we just uh, that's with and without the ball. Our discipline with the ball to to have the respect um, that, that that we need. Uh, I think we're eighty three percent completion in the first half, and then that that tailed off in the second half and took a real stranglehold in the game. And then just typifies the way we play at the moment. We get a man sent off on on the bell, which is, is nowhere near good enough. Yeah, momentum momentum is everything in rugby league, and the Chris Atkinson been changed the game. Yeah, it did. It did. For certain, yeah, it did. Because, um, yeah, we had a lot of momentum and forward uh, push and we were, looked like we were playing. We just weren't clinical, even in that, um, even in the period where, where they lost the man as well. They lost their fullback. Uh, I didn't think we were clinical when they had 12 players either. Yeah, second half, never really got started, never really built any pressure. Was that us suffering from not having as good as smarts or was it them being better all around? Yeah, I just thought they looked uh, better with the ball in hand, more organised, uh, the better kicking game. As I said, the first sort of three or four sets, we, we, we did exactly what we said we were going to do. And, and then in the second half, capitulated. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's the story of our season. There's something that needs to change and needs to change fast. Yeah, obviously two big defeats on, on the spin. Um, so what, what's the plan for, for next week? Uh, well, obviously we'll be planning to train hard. That's all we can do at this point in time. We're at the bottom of the competition or there and thereabouts. We need to be, be clawing our way up. We need to have some, not some, we need to have a lot more desperation in our performances um, and a little bit more uh, smart with the ball. Uh, we'll be looking at that in the week. Uh, obviously, we'll be coming up against a good team next week in Huddersfield and um, it will be a chance to kickstart our season. As today was, we failed to do that miserably. And we're looking to do that, fix that right in the week. Yeah, two and all here limped off and Paulie Paulie was sent off. Bit of a costly night, you know, for bodies for next week. Possibly, yeah, possibly. It looked that way. I think on average we lose two or three players a game, um, you know, through injury or suspension and that's nowhere near good. We can't, you know, we're not certainly not good enough at the minute with 13 on the field, never mind with 12. And that, that can't continue to happen. Yeah, Huddersfield uh, next week. Is that the biggest game of the season so far? They're all big. This was a big game. This was a big game that we prepared for. We had two weeks preparation. We had a few players back. Andy Akers, Lee Mosser, Joe Burgess made his um, uh, made his debut for the club. I think Kinsey played his 200 career appearance. You know, I think he had a, he scored a wonderful try for us early on. It seems a lifetime ago now, but. 
you know, he's been one of our most consistent performers, Kenny. And, uh, you know, I take my hat off to him in, in his professionalism. Yeah. Obviously, next week, you're facing watching Salford Redville's ex-coach. Is there any extra pressure on that? No, we just need to start winning, don't we? We need to start winning and winning fast. Uh, but it's not even, you know, it is about winning. But at the same time, the manner of our performances are way below star, uh, way below standard, way below. We're, we're way off with the with the standard of our performances at the moment. Thank you. So Richard Marshall, he talks about accountability. He talks about how dis, how sort of indisciplined uh, we were in the contest against Hull KR and they're two big factors but then he also said things have to change and things have to change fast what needs to change Paul? Attitude attitude needs to change Rob um, we said it on the podcast didn't we and on the radio last week about um, how we needed to go and we're saying yeah we think we've got a chance of winning but before we have a chance of winning a match we need to start competing in matches last two matches we've not competed and that's down to attitude you know, that, that attitude's got to be right. You've got to be fighting for each other. And he's difficult for Richard because, you know, he's, he's, he's not been able to pick the same side each week due to injuries, suspensions. But the spine of the team at the moment for me is where we're losing out. You know, you're one, you're six, you're seven, you're nine and you're 13. I think we've got a decent 13 and Elijah Taylor. But, you know, Morgan Escudet, I think he, he struggled and, and that's going to be a contention this week. Dan Sage comes back in. Will Dan go back to fullback or will he keep pace with Morgan? I'm not too sure. Will Ken Seo go to fullback and play Dan Sage at, at the centre? So what you're going to probably find is we're making six or seven, eight changes every week. There'll probably be a load more changes this week. So it's very difficult when you're not playing well. Um, you know, people say about you know, the, the players not doing this and, and arguing or they're, they're not happy and players are moving on. That always seems to be the case when you're losing games. When you're winning matches, everybody's happy as Larry, aren't they? But as soon as you start losing matches, you, you get all these rumours flying about. And I think we just need a win, whether it be a scruffy win or a, you know, we're a one-point win or whatever. We need a result. I think once we get a result, I think you'll, you'll start getting to build that confidence again. But losing becomes a habit. And at the moment, we are staring at relegation. Um, us and Lee are down there struggling. It only takes Lee to win a game and you know they're on. We've got to go and play at their place. So we're not out of a fight. We're in a dogfight now, Robert, and we've got to fight our way out of it. And I think Richard Marshall deserves the chance to do that. Um, I know the supporters might disagree with me there, but I'm really hoping Richard Marshall can turn things around and I'll be right behind him on Friday night. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, pressure's on Richard Marshall. Pressure's on Paul King. Pressure's on Paul Trainer. Pressure's on Liam, uh, Ian Blees. Obviously, we're talking about possible relegation battles to come. Stick or twist, what do they do? Me? I've got every faith in Richard Marshall, Rob. I like Richard Marshall and I think he deserves the chance. that This isn't his side. He didn't, he didn't sign any of those players, really. So, you know, it's difficult for him. <clears throat> There's a lot of adversity as well. Play, players need to stand up and be counted, Rob. At the moment, you've got the Christian Inu situation. That's not Richard Marshall's fault. You know what Christian Inu went and said something on, on social media. Players need to start behaving themselves. It all adds up. You know, remember when Ian Watson first came, we all started saying, you know, oh, he's got to deal with all this, he's got to deal with Marwan, he's got to deal with all this off-the-field stuff. Richard Marshall's got that at the moment. He needs his players to start behaving themselves and, and start helping him and start fighting for him. He deserves that. And I'm hoping this week, if we can't get up for this game this week against, against Huddersfield, 
we can't get up for anything, can we? You know, playing against your old boss. And I know there's a bit of contention there with him, you know, taking Luke Yates to Huddersfield and things like that. I mean, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, there's always going to be that bit of spice. And I'm looking forward to that, that game on Friday. And I'm, I'm sure the players will be as well. And if we can't sort of get up for this match, you might as well say goodnight, Vienna. We, we, we need to perform this week. And I am expecting a real response from the players. I think they owe it to Richard. I think they really do. If I was one of those players, I'd have been embarrassed on, on Friday and I'd be apologising to my coach, Richard Marshall, and saying, look, Rich, I want to go out and, and do this for you. I think they need to do it for Richard and I think most of all, they need to do it for themselves and the supporters. Yep. Let's talk about our other team, uh, our other local team, Swinton Lions. They faced Newcastle at home and lost 36 points to 30. Uh, Newcastle started off really well, but Swinton Lions fought back and just fell short. Yeah, they did. It sounded a cracking game, this one, at Haywood Road. And, uh, you know, Will Oak got a couple of tries, didn't he? You know, local lad, used to be at Salford. And um, I think Newcastle just about edged it in the end, didn't they? They've got some experienced players there. Bob Bezik, I think, is playing for them at the moment. I think he's their captain. Um, Jake Jorrocks as well, who, who played for us. Akuma Tai, he's there at the moment. So they've got some uh, some decent players, Newcastle. They're not a bad side at all. Swinton are... Um, yeah, he's tough for them at the moment, isn't it? You know, 36 points to 30, cracking game. We just need that win. They're like us at the moment, aren't they? You know, can't, can't buy a win. But I think one thing with Swindon at the moment, I don't think you can sort of have a go at their commitment. You know, they, they, they're giving everything in the games, aren't they? You know, they've been, they've been come up real short last couple of weeks and uh, I'm pretty sure a win's not far around the corner for Stuart. And I hope so anyway, because they put an awful lot of effort in and uh, giving it their all and just coming up short. So, uh, good win for Newcastle though, because they were sort of down there towards the bottom as well so that'll be a confidence boosting win for them but you know Swinton are desperate to get a result you know sooner rather than later yeah 30 seconds to go Paul they face Halifax next week at home not a big test for Littler's men it is a big test Halifax are on some good form they had a good win against Sheffield a couple of weeks ago they battered York 30 points to 6 this weekend just gone we all know York are a good side so Halifax are looking dark horses now. Featherstone Rovers had a cracking win at weekend. They beat Bradford 44-0, so no stopping them. Toulouse as well, 56-12 winners. Cracking league, that. But uh, no good luck to Swinton. I'm sure they'll give Halifax a good game, hopefully get a result. Yeah, and we'll be talking all about it on the Sports Zone next week on Salford City Radio. Big fact, tune in, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat.